need, right? I mean, if you were with us at camp last week, it was like, yay, we came camping, look at God's creation, and I'm depressed. So, you're welcome. Just kidding, there was joy too, I promise. There is joy. All right, so I'm going to do what I usually do. I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll hop in. Uh, We're finishing up chapter 2 today, starting in verse 18. It says this, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the busyness of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity we get to open your word this morning. Pray now that as we walk through it that you would give us uh, insight, challenge us, make us think, help us ponder uh, soberingly, that we might grow and that we might um, be fruitful in our faith uh, as we continue to live the life you've given us. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Um, In my notes here, I... I always write the word intro and then dash and usually kind of come up with something later. Or sometimes I have something and then I, you know, write it out. And and this time I wrote out a day in the life with the Eries. So I'm going to give you a glimpse into our life. I'm going to talk about yesterday specifically. Um, So yesterday, because today's my wife's birthday, and what I love about my wife is that she... She doesn't think about what she wants to do for her birthday necessarily, right? She goes, I want my kids to go to the fair and have fun. That's how we're going to celebrate my birthday. We're going to celebrate my birthday. We're going to go to the fair. Now, the plan was, is we're going to wake up early. We're going to jump in our van. And we're going to go to the fair. We've got to run a few errands first. But after we're done with those errands, we're going to go to the fair, and we're going to spend all day at the fair. We're going to ride the rides. We're going to eat the candy, the cotton candy. We're going, to, we're going to do the whole thing. It's going to be a blast. All right, here we go. We wake up in the morning. Daddy will not wake up early enough. Darn him. He likes sleeping. Um, we get ready to go. Honey, where are the van keys? I don't know. I can't, I can't find them. So we spend the next, like, what, three hours looking for van keys? Two hours. She's correcting me. Two hours looking for our van keys, with which 
I will tell you now, we never did find until this morning, actually. So we had, yes, Zach did, in fact, find them in a place we looked a hundred times, which is not vexing at all. <laughs> um, and, and so then we did end up at the fair. We got to hang out with Rebecca, which was very fun. And we spent the day at the fair. And actually, the fair was really fun. It was great. It was awesome. But something happened while we were at the fair that, that I, I, I don't know, I found worth noting in my head. Um, when we see other people, like, I don't know if you ever people watch. I totally do. And, and if, you, if you watch people, and let's say they're just having a really good time, right? There's a lot of joy in their face, especially if it's like a little kid experiencing a uh, ride for the first time, and they're just really happy. Our hearts tend to do one, or, one of two things, right? On the one end, usually there's like a bit of jealousy, right? Like the cynical side of us is like, well, why can't I enjoy that? I want to enjoy what they're doing. And so all I can do in that moment is focus on what they get and what I don't have, right? That happened, actually, to one of my small children. Um, I won't name names because I'm nice. But I have four of them, so I'm sure you can figure it out. Anyways, uh, you know, we spent a lot of money to get into that fair, right? I mean, fair's expensive, right? We get them the little band so they can go on whatever ride they want. But the one ride they can't have because it costs cash and not the band is the only ride that they want. And really, so for, for like the end of the day, their whole day was ruined and it was pointless and toilsome and they had no fun at all because they couldn't go on the trampoline thing that cost 20 bucks for two minutes or whatever. Right? And I was, I was looking at my child doing this and it's like in your head, you're like, but dear, Look at all this other stuff you have. Look at all these things you got to do. Look at all your little stuffed animals you want. Like, look at all these things. No, the, the trampoline. I didn't get the trampoline. The rest of my day is ruined. Do you ever find yourself in that spot? Where, where, where all you can focus on and all you can look at is the thing you don't have or maybe the thing you do have and it's not bringing you that satisfaction you hoped it would. And so maybe you look at it from different angles to see if maybe, well, maybe if I look at it this way, now, now it'll satisfy me, no? Really, the, the biggest point I'm trying to get out of this little day in the life of the Eries is that sometimes we get so focused on something that we miss out on what's going on around us, right? We do that. Um, we're going to continue to walk through... Ecclesiastes. Oh, hey, look at that. And I don't have a, I forgot my iPad, so I don't have to. So my wife will be my changer. Um, obviously, by way of review, we know that this is a wisdom book. It's in the Old Testament. All right. Um, we can debate who wrote it. Um, we'll go with Solomon or, or the wise person or the king or the preacher or Quohelet, which is Hebrew for the teacher. All right. Um, He's finishing up this section now. It's the end of chapter 2. And the writer is essentially wrapping up everything he's said to this point, in a way. And, and what he's saying is, right, he's been talking about, like, the emptiness of power, the emptiness of wealth, 
the emptiness of working hard and toiling, right? And really the kind of the thing we've kind of come back to over and over again is the focus is on these things and not the provider of these good things, right? Like he talks for a while about enjoying every pleasure a person can enjoy. And that's just not the naughty pleasures. That's like all the anything that makes you happy. Picking up a little baby and doing this. And they go, ah, you know, does, does that make you happy? That makes me happy. It's, yeah, just like that. Right? Like all the things that bring us joy, if that's all there is, it ends up being empty without God at the center of it. I think that's the point he's been trying to make over and over and over again. Because he helps us deal with the sobering reality of life that as we go through life, we just experience the same thing over and over and over again. We, we get the thing we've been working so hard for, right? Like when you're a little kid and you go, someday I'm going to be an adult. And when I'm an adult, I'm going to X, Y, Z, whatever. But then you get there, right, for those of us who are older, and you're like, adulthood isn't all that it's cracked up to be. For instance, I was poking fun at my wife last night, right? It hurts her birthday today. And, I, you know, she, like, woke up. You know, she fell asleep on the couch, and she, like, woke up, and she was like, oh, my neck, and ah. Oh. You know, and so I, like, help her up, and it's like, happy birthday, dear. We're in our 30s now. We don't get sore from hiking up a mountain. We get sore from waking up from a nap on the couch with the wrong type of pillow on our neck, Okay. Happy birthday, right? Like adulthood isn't all that it's cracked up to be. But we look forward to all of these next things. And they never fulfill, they never, we're always wanting the next thing, right? And so, as we walk through this text, you're going you're gonna to notice that. You're going to notice that he's, he's going to wrap up by going back to this idea of working hard and toiling. But they, in the last paragraph, he's going to finish up with a thought that, well, actually, I think will bring a little relief and, and joy and, and into challenge as well. And so, let's go. Ah, perfect. Yes. Starting in verse 18. I hated... It's <laughs> a good way to start a sentence. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Now, he's reflecting on this idea that I have worked my whole life to accumulate this kingdom of mine. I got everything I've, I could ever want. You know, I got all these cool toys, but now I'm too old to even play with these toys because, well, I'm an old man and I can't do anything with them. So now, all that hard work I put in, I have to leave it to someone else. And I have to trust that that someone else is going to use the same wisdom that I used to, like, keep it going. Do you see the tension in that? Have you ever wrestled with that? I think it's funny that I talk about this text, and I, and I felt led to go to Ecclesiastes when I live in rural Montana. And the reason is because there are a lot of farms, right? And farmers spend their whole lives literally toiling, Right? You do it. You toil. You raise a family. You work your tail off. But to what end? Is the person I raised going to continue the farm? Are they going to sell the farm? I don't know. That hits. It hits hard, doesn't it? Do you see his wrestle? 
Maybe you resonate with his wrestle. It kind of makes him hate life. And if you're honest, maybe you've wrestled with that yourself. I spent my whole life working on this farm, doing, doing the thing. I don't know farmer lingo, so I'm just going to say doing the thing, doing the farmer stuff. I worked so hard, and now my kid doesn't want to be a farmer. What happens next? How much weight have I put on operating this farm? How much of my identity rests in the fact that I am a farmer or a rancher? Right? You feel that? Good. Love you. But it brings him to despair, right? It brings him to go, you know what? I hate life because of this fact. Because no matter how hard I work, I'm going to go and I'm going to have to leave all this stuff for someone else to take care of. Right? And he goes on and he says, And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. And you remember what vanity is, right? It's that Hebrew word, hebel. And I like enigma, which means it's a mystery. It's something I can't grasp. It's something I can't fully wrap my hands around. I don't get it. Why is it this way? That's what he's saying. It's a mystery. It's vanity. I don't get it. There seems to be this like pointlessness to it. Because why work so hard if I'm just going to lose it? Why work so hard for a house that eventually is going to crumble? Why work so hard for a sweet truck that's eventually going to break down? No matter what. No matter how new it is. In fact, the newer ones break down faster right here. No amens? You could totally have said amen. I would have gone with it. But do you see the, the frustration? It's brewing in them. It's building up. Oh, yeah. Good job. She can read my mind. It's like we've been married for almost 12 years. Which actually it is our anniversary next week. Next Sunday. 12 years of marriage. I know. I'm bragging about it. Anyways, rabbit trail end. Verse 20. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labor under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. I don't even feel like I need to elaborate on that text. I think they just, it speaks for itself, right? You feel this tension in the writer as he's like, man, it's sobering. I feel despairing because what is the point of doing all of this? Why work? If I'm going to have to give it up someday, what's the point? Right? Now I know we're in church and I'll get to it, but just... Feel that first, right? You need to. You need to feel that almost despairedness about our lives. And really, the hard part is, is we need to feel that despairing because, because of our humanity, we forget. We forget about God and His goodness. And we become so super focused on the thing that we have or don't have or what have you 
that we forget about everything else that's going on around us, all the good, what have you, right? That's what happens. But we'll get to that in you know, the next few verses. We still have to despair for a little bit longer. I apologize. You sense his tension. He calls it a vanity and a great evil. He says, this is a great evil that this happens, that I have to work so hard, that I have to you know, uh, accumulate wisdom. I have to learn and grow and become knowledgeable and skilled at something and give my life to that knowing and that skill and that wisdom only to hand it off to someone else because someday I'm going to die. He's always coming back to that inevitability of death, right? Sobering. Oh, yeah, we're all going to die. Oof as the young ones would say. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This part is especially interesting to me because I think more of us than not can resonate with it, because it, in my mind it makes me think of workaholics. Those are the type of people who just cannot stop serving, cannot stop working, cannot stop moving, and they continue, and they continue, and they continue. And maybe at first it was for good reasons, right? Maybe at first it was for good uh, motivations, and, and yes, I, you know, it's a good thing to own a farm or ranch. It's a good thing to serve in the church and, and do these different things. It's good for us to do this. And so I will work my tail off to serve and do all the things that I'm supposed to do. But then eventually we become so consumed by the work, we become so focused on the work, we turn to despair, right? That's where burnout comes in, right? That's where people just kind of stop. They stop serving and they stop coming to church. Or they go through the motions and just do it because, well, that's what we do. Because they've forgotten. And they've become so focused on the work that they don't even really fully rest, right? When they sleep, before they close their eyes, all they can think about is, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do this. And they never stop to ask themselves why they're doing those things. They just do it, Right? Like, have you ever had conversations with people like that who are like, you know, I gotta, well, I gotta go to church. I've been going to church my whole life. I gotta do it. Why? Why do you go to church? Well, I was raised in the church. Oh. Why were you raised in the church? Well, because my family made me go. And, and they never really understood why they were doing it in the first place. They've forgotten. And the hard part is, is there's no rest in that, right? Because you're always going. You're always doing. You're always doing the next thing. Man, a part of me just kind of wants to sit in that for a second. Not just for you guys, but for me as well. I think it is okay for sober reflecting on these ideas because over and over and over again, this author is just bringing it back to this point, right? He's like, it's all Hebel. 
It's all an enigma. It's all pointless. It's all vanity. But now I think, as we head into verse 24, he's going to remind us. I'm going to argue that he reminds us of the why. It's almost like he takes a break from being this super cynical jerk. It kind of just reminds us in this little paragraph right here, right before he goes back to, you know, being like super cynical. Starting in verse 24, he says, There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Do you see it? Maybe you don't. Let me explain. There is nothing better for us but to enjoy our toil. You see it? But why? Why do we enjoy our toil? Because it is a gift from God. Sometimes in our life we become so super focused on the thing we shouldn't be super focused on, or even a good thing that we should be focused on, but it becomes so ultimate in our lives that we forget about the fact that it comes from God, right? Every little thing that we do, from raising kids to harvesting to sharpening the thingies that cut the wheat, the shekels, the heckles, hackles. I've lived here my whole life. Is that embarrassing to you? Well, that's not embarrassing to me, but either way. All the little things you do, right? Every single part of your life, gift from God. When we find or when we see the focus shift, when we stop being super focused on the thing we're supposed to do and we remember why we're doing it or we remember that we're called to enjoy it because it comes from God, that's where joy comes in. That's where peace comes in. That's when, oh, this is why I serve in the church. I don't serve in the church because I have to and now I'm burned out and I need a break because I can't handle it anymore. I serve in church because it is a gift for me to get the opportunity to. Right? The best life we can have now in this life is when all the toil becomes enjoyment because we know where it comes from. Does that make sense? If I am a farmer who has spent his life working and toiling only to give it up someday because I'm going to die and everything I own is going to eventually rot and moth and rust destroy and all that. If God is at the center of it, if God is the reason for it, if God is the point of it, there's purpose now. I do this to serve God. I do this to prepare my children to serve to their best ability, God, through the things that he has given them through me. Do you see the shift? No longer is it all about me and my toil. It's about me toiling to the joy because God has given it to me. 
All of life becomes centered on him and about him because that's, that's what he created us to do. All of life becomes worship. We are creatures of worship. We were made to worship. We, we worship something. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something, right? And so when life becomes toil for you, the encouragement for us is to remember that if we zoom out and remember why we did it or why we're doing it or why God put us in this position or whatever, there's good in it because of that. Because God is there. Because God has created. Because God has placed. Because God has made and put us in this position so that we can enjoy it. So that we can enjoy our toil. We can enjoy all the little things that life gives us because they're from God. In fact, the author says there is nothing better for a person than that he enjoy. You see it? This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, him being God, apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? See, it's like he's, he's pulling back and he's going like, how can I enjoy anything without God? I wouldn't have anything without God. Do you see it? The problem with toil, and when toil becomes toil, as in the type of thing you can't enjoy and you, you know, don't want to wake up in the morning because of it type toil, is that after a while we lose focus and we only focus on what? Ourselves. I'm only focused on me. Right? Marriages, 50% of marriages end in divorce because most, of the pe- most people will be like, well, I fell out of love, right? And they go, well, this isn't for me. You see it? Now, that isn't to say that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, right? But if that is all we're doing, that's the problem. That's when it becomes toil. Marriage becomes a burden if it's all about me and... Stephanie meeting all of my wants, whims, and desires becomes toil for both of us, really. But enjoyment is found when God is at the center. center. Because we can't enjoy anything without him. In fact, we wouldn't exist without him. It's like the reminder. It's an almost obvious reminder, but it's a reminder nonetheless, Right? We soberly reflect on the fact that, like, I wouldn't be here unless he'd created me. But then it also kind of reveals to us our limits, right? And what I mean by that is that at some point, when a person idolizes or super focuses on something, that is initially good, it becomes sinful and wrong when that becomes our ultimate. And it becomes wrong when we can't live without it. Right? Or if we want to control it. And the reminder in this text is that God goes, I'm in control, not you. It reminds us of our place in the story, right? 
Yes, you worked hard and toiled for the things you have now, but you only worked and toiled because God gave you that ability to do that in the first place. Do you see the mind shift change? Now it doesn't become I have to do these things. It's I get to do these things because I was gifted by God with the ability to do these things. Right? To be who I am and whatever life and skill that I'm doing. It is a gift from God. And I only have it because of God. Right? You know, um, any famous basketball player that like totes his awesome skills as a basketball player really has no space to do that because like he didn't he didn't like he wasn't in his mom's womb being like, I'm gonna be a good basketball player, right? Did he make any decision as to that? That he's gonna be born with those natural skills and abilities? No. God gave him those abilities. Yes, did he take them and harness them and make them better? Yes. But he had an initial skill that none of us have, right? Hence why I'm not in the NBA. Thankfully. But do you see the point? It realigns our focus. I'm not focused on the toil. I'm focused on the one who gave me the toil. And it brings joy because now I have a reason. But it also puts me in my place and reminds me of who I am and where I'm at. I'm not in control. He is. And now I get to toil. I don't have to toil. And I'm going to finish with this. And actually, I'm just going to finish with the gospel, really. Because on one end, we can look at it like this. Jesus came and lived a toilsome life to save you, to save me. And I don't think he ever once, in that toiling, lost focus of the mission he was on in the first place, right? Like, he knew what he came to do. And even in the moments when it was hard, you know, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's sweating blood and praying and saying, hey, God, if you could take this cup from my hands, that would be great. Like, even in that moment, he said, but not my will, your will. His life and who he was was focused on the mission that God had given him, which was to die a horrible death. And then three days later, rise from the dead, claiming victory over death for himself and for you, for those who are in Christ. We are saved by that action. We are saved by that toil. And now, as Christians, we are provided with peace and joy in this life now as we toil. So toil is no longer toil. It is a joy. And it's not something you just get right there, right? But it's something you work towards. It is something you remind yourself of daily. That's why we preach the gospel to ourselves every day. That's why we have to do that because we have to remind ourselves that there's a purpose for this like there was a reason that i lost my keys yesterday and had to like sit in a cramped small car instead of my nice spacious van there was a reason for that there was a reason for all of the things that you're going through in your life good and bad and if all you can do is focus on the thing you're going through and forget that god is behind it doing something, 
Like that's, that's got to be the challenge for us. Is we have to pull back and remember there's a purpose for our toil. We have to pull back and, yes, reflect on the toil like I did at the beginning, right? Like I just wanted you to kind of sit and somberly remember like, oh, wow, this is kind of depressing. I'm going to work super hard for my whole life and then I'm going to leave all this stuff behind and I'm gone and life goes on and people will forget me eventually and all the things that I worked hard for will eventually rot and be destroyed and be moth and rust and all that fun jizz jazz. But when it's flipped and we remember that it's there for a purpose and we remember that God through Christ has given us access to him, all of it has a purpose now. All of it is here for a reason. And the encouragement for us is to stop instinctively putting ourselves at the center of the story instead put him. That's what we have to do. The gospel does that. Because the gospel says, yes, I loved you and I saved you and I adopted you into my family. But this is my story. That's God speaking, not me. Right? And now we are invited to be in that story. We're invited to toil with him as we advance his kingdom and spread the light of Christ to the world around us, even in Big Dirt, Montana. That's my affectionate name for Big Sandy's Big Dirt. And so, we'll close with doing communion because it's Communion Sunday. I actually remember this time. And communion, right, is remembering, right? That's what we do it for. We do it in remembrance of the fact that he broke his body and uh, poured out his blood as a sacrifice for us. Right? That's why he had us do it. But for us, for us as Christians, it is an opportunity for us to somberly reflect on the truths or what it means for us that that happened. And so as we do that, reflect on your toil, but also reflect on what it means in Christ to have that toil, if that makes sense. And that as we partake in the bread and the blood, we remember that he came and he bled and he died and he saved us and he made us whole persons. He made us fully human again because without Christ, we're not fully human yet. He restores that in us. And so now because of that, everything we do has a purpose. Everything we do has enjoyment and peace and fulfillment and all of those things in it. Not because of us, but because of him. And the challenge is for us to make him the center again. Make him the point again. This is why I serve him. This is why I run a farm, him. This is why I raise my kids, him. Everything we do is for him. And in that, we will be most satisfied and find the most joy because that's what we were made to do in the first place. And so as we partake, reflect on those things. Um, can I have some volunteers help me with it? I was going to ask Rebecca to play piano, but she just ran away. Maybe Larry would be willing to strum his guitar for us as we reflect. If you want to do that, thank you.